What's going on, Bulls Nation? Welcome in to CSGO Bulls Podcast, presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I'm Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Big Dave is at Bow, B-A-W-L Sports. And if you want to get into a heated argument about what the Bulls should do next with our guy Mark K on Twitter, he is at MK Hoops. Mark, it. how are you, sir? Oh, fantastic. Just uh, riveting this uh, this experience that we call life or revealing and reveling rather in this experience we call life. It's just been a, just a great 24 hours of uh, being a Bulls basketball fan. Yeah. And also apparently uh, a speaker or admirer of the German language. <laughs> I just learned that about Mark who hopped on and said to us, Guten Morgen. <laughs> that was a new one. He's got a mini up. Do you know any other German than that? Uh... I don't know if it's technically German or if this is just Australians adopting German, but isn't Scheisenhausen a German word? That's probably, that's probably <laughs> the only that other German I know, but uh, okay. yeah, no, nah, nah, nothing else. Lawrence shrugged and gave that a maybe? Maybe it counts. Count? Okay. All oh, right. man, look who's here. It's our buddy Jimmy in the comments who's watching from O'Hare. Hey. Must mean he's about ready to take off on his flight back home to the UK. Jimmy! Love you, Jimmy. Hope you had a great time. Hope you had time. a great time. Sorry, the Bulls couldn't get one more W for you last night. Uh, it's mostly your fault, I'm going to assume. Joey, can you get that for me, please? I'm glad you brought up Jimmy. Shout out. There it is. Oh. Look at Jimmy. Oh, wow. Look at him. With the great Joe Kim Noah. Oh, man. Now, in the pregame, Mark, I don't know if you saw this. When, well, actually, when Jimmy was here, I, I asked Matt, how would you feel if Jimmy got a picture with Joe Kim Noah? And Matt said, well, Probably, I can't really remember, but it was along the lines of, I'll tell him he's tacky and I hate him. No, what I <laughs> but said I'll be happy was, for him. don't you dare. <laughs> and then I reflected for a couple seconds, mm-hmm. and I said, you know what? Jimmy's a cool guy. I'd be happy for him. I don't, it, that sounded that, cool. Go back and check no, the no, tape. No, no, no. I'm not saying that's wrong. That's what I I'm said. I'm not saying that's saying wrong. I'm just saying that sounds more cool and calm. Like, at the moment, it sounded a little more broken and hurtful. That that would happen, but you'll be okay with it. You know, this one sounds like, yeah. I mean, know, when happened. when Jimmy DM'd me that pick last night, mm-hmm. and then I showed it, I was broken. Yes. <laughs> Still broken today. It hurt but a little bit. But that doesn't mean I'm not also happy for him. We are definitely happy for you, man. I, I'm ecstatic for you. I hope it happens for us tomorrow at the CHGO Bulls takeover that I'm sure everybody will be at. Be happy to see y'all hanging out with us pregame at Crossroads. Follow us over on the bus. Get us over at the game sitting in 300 section. Getting all the vibes from us and the rest of the CHGO crew. Yeah. We're going to be there. You're going to be there too, Joey, right? Everybody's going to be there, man. It's going to be a great time. I know that Joe Kim will not be there, though. How do you know? Because I saw, I can't remember who, but somebody on Twitter on the Bulls beat mentioned catching up with Joe. And he said that he was ducking out at halftime of last night's game to catch a flight back over to go to the World Cup final. Damn. That has to suck. Like, your favorite guy going to see your favorite sport. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see him. All of that sucked. <laughs> Except for the part where I am genuinely happy for Jimmy, who got to meet Joakim Noah. Yes, this is true. Very happy for you, sir. Also, I... There's a wink e- in even there, just, but Even just watching Joakim and Tibbs exchange a couple of jabs and yeah. jokes with each other last yeah. night b- before the game and seeing them hug... Yeah. Put some warm and fuzzies in my heart. Yeah, man. Down in my gut. Just seeing, seeing him hanging out, you know, with Charles Oakley. You know what I'm saying? In the stands. Like, yeah. all that was really cool. All that was cool, man. I'm glad it happened for you, though, Jimmy, man. Like, honestly, that was amazing. Watching your progression on Twitter. 
you know, Mark K just gave him the FOMO and probably got, gave him a little more excitement about coming up here as well in a few Dude, months, man. March is not that far away. Yeah. It's going to be March before we know it. So the way, Mark K. Mark yeah. is going to be sitting in a chair right here. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. And look, I'll, I'll, I'll be frank with you. I was following uh, Jimmy's crusade through Chicago. I was I was looking at his uh, his Twitter feed, all the stuff that he was sort of sharing, and those sorts of things, and I'm like, man, this dude is having the time of his life. Mm. And if my experience could even be half of what he's had, yeah. it's going to be like complete bucket list item. But uh, yeah, I was very jealous of what he was doing. But um, like I said, if, if if my trip can be anything similar to his, I'll be a, a very happy and fortunate boy. Uh, Aiden in the comments saying it's going to be Mark's March, uh, March of Mark. Although. You got to you got to change your tune on this. I've seen you mention this on Twitter a couple of times. You're prejudging Chicago's deep dish style pizza before ever having tried it. Jimmy yeah. tried it and was like, "Oh yeah, this is great." Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you're gonna at least give it a chance when you get shot. here. Leave but your judgments at home. Listen to Jimmy, Mark. Listen to Jimmy. I mean, you got to get the full experience. It looks like filth. Like, like, let's be real. It looks like just a complete slop of sauce and maybe pastry underneath. That's what it, it looks disgusting. Oh, will I try it? <laughs> maybe. But it looks disgusting. At least, for, can we at least agree on that? No, <laughs> we cannot. We cannot agree on that. No, nope, nope. it is absolutely amazing. It is mm-hmm. absolutely. Joey, do you think it looks disgusting? No, I used to think it did not look at like it when I was a child. I was like, I'm not eating that. But uh-huh. I, now, like, I like deep dish, but I, like, yes, I, I do, I agree. If you put that in front of, like, a kid, mm-hmm. like a six-year-old kid, I think they're like, no, I'm not eating that. Okay. What the hell is that? Wait, does I don't anybody, know what you're talking about. Me and my siblings lived on deep dish pizza when we were kids. hate deep dish pizza? Karn, Lawrence, Casey, anybody hate deep dish? Everybody likes it? Sorry, Marque. <laughs> I'm sorry. Everybody well, likes look, it, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go out with you guys, and maybe we can have a deep dish or whatever it might be, and then I, I can try that. <laughs> piece of slop but um, you, know yeah. you can just eat tavern style because it's excellent too and it's honestly what chicago is more frequently because he's talking crazy we're, talking with jacks. we're all gonna go to dave's we're gonna cook a jacks <laughs> on his pizzazz on it's gonna be great baby. get you a three dollar holla oh my goodness <laughs> uh all right so we wanted to talk today a little bit more about what happened last night, which yeah. is the Bulls losing another close game or the term that the NBA has used as far as stats and analytics go recently, clutch game. Okay. Bulls and Knicks was tight last night. The parameters for clutch games is a five-point or smaller margin with five minutes or less to go in the fourth quarter. The Bulls have played 15 such games so far this season. Or, I'm sorry, 14 such games so far this season and are 3-11 and 11 in those 14 clutch games. Not good. So we wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dive into what exactly is happening in these clutch losses and whether or not it's something that can be fixed. Uh, but, gentlemen, I wanted to start with just some thoughts from the team after last night's game because they were okay. being asked in the locker room and at the postgame podium about yet another clutch loss. Okay. Let's look at what Billy had to say first. Joey, can we take a look at Billy Donovan's thoughts after last night's game? saying, last year when we were running off games, I was concerned because I saw a trend that I was concerned about. I thought we were dodging bullets and what we were doing wasn't going to be sustainable. And clearly it wasn't sustainable against the best teams. I didn't think that we had enough adversity coming out of the All-Star break. We were not hardened enough as a team. And that is via our guy Rob Schaefer over at NBC. Um, We've heard Billy say something like this before when the Bulls were in the midst of that crazy winning streak last season. Caution, like, you know, 
a little bit of a caution to say, mm-hmm. hey, let's not get ahead of our skis a little bit mm-hmm. because I, I'm seeing some troubling trends and we're winning in spite of these troubling trends. Mm-hmm. And then the other shoe didn't just fall and Anvil fell. And that's how last season ended. And that's yeah. kind of how this season is starting. What do you think about that from, from Billy, Big Dave? I mean, he didn't tell a lie. Uh, he, t- he told the truth about it. And he's right. I remember those games in the press conference, how even killed he was and how not happy he was. It was just a lot of concern and, and worry. Like, yeah, that's great we did that, but guys, this is not going to be sustainable. But understandably, a lot of Bulls Nation was drunk on, on it because they hadn't had it in very, very long. Like they say, when you're in the desert, you know what I mean, somebody tells you some water, it's going to taste like Fiji. All right? So it's going to be amazing. So they were going crazy, and I, and I don't uh, – uh, commend them for that, but Billy Donovan tried to caution everyone to do that. And then, like you said, the anvil drop not not a shoe, but an actual anvil. And it feels like the anvil is still on them. So I, I hear what he's saying about last year, but what are we going to do now, I guess, is is the question I have. Because Billy is raising the points, uh, but what is the actual solutions is, is where I'm at with it right now, Mark. Right. Yeah, and look, this the- – there's there's so many layers to this and obviously we're going to spend a good portion of time getting into this but you, you're right like Billy was making this point last year he was making this point when Lonzo and Caruso were healthy and, and this is something that get lost gets lost in the, the whole Lonzo conversation but the Bulls defense was already slipping when Lonzo was playing they were top five at one point they slipped to top 10 and then the, the game before Lonzo went out last season, the Bulls were already down to 17th in defensive rating. So to Billy's point, like things started to, to come down. And, and maybe it got masked a little bit last season by the fact that the Bulls won a lot of games in the clutch on the back of, you know, DeMar DeRozan heroics. I mean, we the, the two games that's, that stand out straight from the top of mind are those those uh, back-to-back buzzers or game winners that he had against the Wizards and the uh, the Pacers over the New Year's break. Like the Bulls won 46 games last year. If, if those shots don't fall... The Bulls are 44 and 38, and a 44 and 38 record last year puts you in play-in. Now that's just two games. Maybe there's there's some other examples where maybe had that had things gone differently in the clutch, maybe their record's less than 44 and 38. So I, I wonder how much of last season and what happened last season sort of hid what we've you know what we've come to expect with this team, and that's what Billy spoke about. But I mean, had this team been a play-in team last season, maybe what they're doing. Now, this season, maybe we feel differently about it because it's more expected from that point of view. Uh, but yeah, it's just interesting to see how it's all played out. What can the Bulls do more generally to change things, as you noted, Dave? Uh, I mean, I- I'm-, I'm happy to ask that question back to you guys because <laughs> the- the- there's so many things going wrong and there's so many different things going on, on wrong diff- game to game uh, at a micro level, but on a macro level, there's there's problems as well. So I've got my thoughts, but maybe I can kick it back to you guys first and, and, and you know, ask if there's any obvious solutions to you. Obvious solutions, um, that, I, that I don't have. Uh, I don't think those solutions are obvious. Um, the one thing I do want is, is just yeah. I want Dragic to actually start at point, but that has nothing to do with, with clutch performance or anything like that. But they have to solidify that position. It feels like, to me, once that position, more than any other, more than Patrick Wood, more than any other, when that position became shaky, then so did the Chicago Bulls. When Lonzo Ball is your best point guard, rightfully so. He's amazing at mm-hmm. it. As soon as he went out, you lost everything else. And everybody else is a good fill-in, but not a solution. So you've, you've got Io, who is awesome, uh, but he still sometimes struggles offensively. 
and he's not the guy who is going to uh, see two or three plays ahead like Lonzo can yet. I think he'll get there, but he just can't do it yet. Um, Caruso, elite defensively, uh, but will have a game where he starts and won't score a point. That is the goddamn issue. And you have uh, uh, Kobe White, who can heat it up in the fourth quarter during those clutch times, but the fact that he struggles throughout the game lends himself to being on the bench because it's like, well, if you're struggling, I'm not sure you're going to be the man in the fourth quarter that we need you to be. So there have been games where he's had him out there in the fourth quarter. Sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, that's what I'm saying. It hasn't been consistent. Right. So if it was consistent, like, okay, I can depend on you, um, not to the extent of a Ben Gordon, but just like, okay, I can depend on you in the fourth quarter, he'd be in there in the clutch, and that would actually be answering some of these questions. Uh, you got Dragic, who I think is – the best point guard, but defensively, he is going to struggle, and he is an older gentleman as well. So I don't know if he can be the one in in the clutch time because you're going to need the defense as well as the execution. So everybody, it's like they're trying to build, you know what I'm saying, this perfect robot to to stem the tide, you know what I'm saying, for the loss of Lonzo, and it just hasn't uh, worked yet. It might work a little bit here, a little bit there, but nothing's been super consistent for it. So for me, that's a that's the huge issue because you've got to have a quarterback uh, on his team. Going back to what Billy said about winning all those close games last year and losing a lot, most of them so far this year, I like this question from our guy Jamal of Bull Central in the comments. What's up, Jamal? Uh, saying, has Billy given a solution for how it can be sustainable? I don't agree with his statement, but how do you change what's not working? And I wanted to add a little bit more of Billy's thoughts from last night because I think it kind of is it, it, it's highlighted by what Jamal just said and what is the frustrating part to I think some some Bulls fans right now. Billy said this about these close losses versus close wins last year. He said, "The stuff you've got to do as a group, you've got to become more connected, more determined, more stubborn, more resilient." Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you ever want to lose, but we've had some really difficult losses this season. He said, I like the way we're playing and how we're doing what we're doing. I think there's been positives. I do see us playing better against some of the better teams, but there's been other issues. So to like wade through all the bull crap and just, you know, political talk. Thank you. I think what he's trying to say is we need to endure stuff like this because it will bring us together and harden us and then give us that experience to then do better when put in the same situation moving forward. Okay. But even still, the way he finishes that thought about, well, there are still some issues. Yeah. If, even if we're just enduring all these close losses and it's hardening us and bringing us together as a group, okay, yeah. then what? Yeah. That's the yeah. part that I think Bulls fans are frustrated with right now. Yeah, and the hardening and bringing it together is cool. That's fine. But then when you look up and you're 11 and 16 – like, uh, it's, it's how hard you need to be. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it's, give me some soft. <laughs> I would take plenty of soft in this instance, which is what DeMar was giving us um, last season with those clutch performances and things like that. But I, I know Marquet has a lot more uh, to say on this. I don't want to step on your toes here, sir. Yeah. Well, look, I'm glad we're spending an entire podcast to discuss this because this is a topic that requires more than a five-minute conversation. And particularly, like like, after yesterday's game, I wasn't at my best yesterday after yesterday's show. Let's let, let's be clear. Uh, that that loss really uh that hit me that loss. So I wasn't. I mean, I'm a trash podcaster more generally, but yesterday I was even worse. But I, I think why I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation is 
it's so multi-layered and there's so many different things happening. Like yesterday against the Knicks, for, for example, for me at least, like the crucial elements of that overtime period were giving up offensive rebounds. The Bulls gave up at least two, potentially three key offensive rebounds in that stretch, which was very different to what was happening in the Hawks game, for example, which was very different to what the clutch game against the Wizards the other the other week where they were turning the ball over uh, you know, a, a numerous amount of times, which was very different to being in a clutch, clutch situation to the Orlando Magic. So what's actually happening in these clutch moments is different game to game. But I guess the, the first question I have is, why are these games even in the clutch scenario to be you know, in the first place? So like, take the Orlando Magic game. Like, why is that a clutch game? And what what I'm get, getting from Billy Donovan's comments here is not necessarily like the issues that are happening in clutch, but like why are we in clutch scenarios with those specific teams? So like against the Magic, you shouldn't you, sh- you just shouldn't be in a clutch moment against that team. Like, what are you doing in quarters one, two, and three, or even quarters four to ensure that that is the case i guess so that that's my first issue uh look why are these games even at the point that they are and then when you get to that clutch moment i mean what is happening ultimately but like uh, in terms of the numbers we've got a comment in here from like michael henneman asking like it starts with defense but in terms of like defense in the clutch the bulls defense is uh allowing 111 points per 100 possessions which is pretty much the exact same amount that they're allowing over the course of the game so it's not really their defense that is problematic in the clutch. Like the defense is fine. Uh, 111 points per per 100 possessions gets you in the top 10. So that that's fine. It's their offense. That's that's the real root cause problem. I mean, they're, they're from an offensive standpoint, more generally this season, the Bulls are not good. Like they're, they're 20th in offense this season. In terms of clutch, they're, they're averaging 102 points per 100 possessions, which is really, really freaking bad. Like, I mean, on the season... They're averaging just a shade under 111 points per 100 possessions on offense. That goes down to 102 in the clutch. So clearly the issues are on offense. So then like once we've established that, now we can start breaking down, like, okay, what's the issues on offense, which again, we can get into now. But that's my general high level thought is one, why are we even in the clutch scenarios against these certain teams? Like we shouldn't be. And then when we are, like, why is the offense stalling? Like, these are the fundamental questions that we need to explore, that the team needs to explore, all those sorts of things. And I think most importantly, your point about it's something different that's happening each night. The Bulls find a way to lose these close games. If you're watching every single one of these games, it is something different. Some nights it's not corralling a rebound. Some nights it's, uh, as, as Jock in the comments here is saying, uh, a bad Zach Levine shot selection. Some night, or, you know, uh, they were they were trying to get Vooch uh, going in the post in overtime of the game last night when really him against Mitchell Robinson is not a great matchup. Uh, it's It's a zillion things. Uh, and to try and pinpoint it on one thing is is damn near impossible. But there are more numbers that I want to look at as far as what the Bulls are doing in clutch time versus generally across the board and what their opponents are doing in those same situations. So we will look at that coming up next after this quick break while we share words from our friends and sponsors with you guys. Do us a solid and hit that thumbs up button if you're watching live along on YouTube. Helps us out a lot. Mm-hmm. Big day. What? Who's today's show brought to our uh, our Bulls Nation uh, members by? Joey knows. Do is it somebody who never understood? It's somebody who never <laughs> they understood. never understood. They ain't get it, man. They ain't Doesn't it. make any sense. Don't make any sense, man. Calm down, Joey. Calm down. Don't make any sense, man. Shady Rays don't understand why you got to spend so much money 
on some sunglasses. Why? Why? They don't get it. So they set out to change those kind of things. They said, we're going to give you the same premium polarized shades featuring that world-class optical clarity, sustainable durability, and styles catered to everyone in every lifestyle. Attain. We're going to give all that to you at an amazing, amazing price, along with amazing, amazing protection programs called the Matt Peck Lost and Broken Replacements. Hat thrown. Glasses on them. Broken. Day one. Get replaced. <laughs> they spoken. Shady race. That's who's going to fix it. <laughs> Tough man. Lost glasses. Like that. Oh, broken. no. Down. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 200,000 five-star reviews. That's what Shady Rays has from their customers. They love their glasses, and they love the price that they're paying. And free returns and exchanges, y'all. You either love the shades that Shady Rays, or they will pay to ship them back to Shady Rays. That's it. You either like it, you love it, or you don't. And they're going to got you. So, Exclusive for our listeners out there. Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use that code CHGO for 50% off of two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. That is a buy one. I get one free. What they call that, Pat? Bogo. Bogo. For the low, low. A 54 for the show, show. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can buy all their newest and best shades because it's Shady Rays. Where the Rays are oh so damn shady. And what the hell happened to the sun in Chicago? The sun ain't been out in weeks. What the hell, man? Mid, mid-December, man. We ain't going to see the like sun it. again until March. I don't like it. I don't like well, it. Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> Chicago from December to March, baby. We have arrived. You mean Sunshine March shows up? <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. Hey, that's All what right. I'm going to cross my fingers for. All right. I'm, like, All right. I'm talking like you know, outdoor patios, mm. beer gardens, mm. barbecue, mm. that kind of weather. I want that weather. I want that early spring when March shows that's up. That's right. That salmon burger weather. Yeah. <laughs> no weather like I that one in, Mark. is like that ever like that salmon burger weather. Yeah. That was for you, Mark. But <laughs> with <laughs> winter yes, upon us, you know what you want to make sure that you have locked and loaded, ready to go. What's that? Is the lighting fixtures and systems in your home and your business? Oh, you don't want to play no games with that. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Don't want to mess around with your lighting this time Mm-mm. of year. And Combat Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve manage energy usage and lower your energy bills now mm-hmm. and into the future <sighs> comet offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial industrial and public sector customers of all sizes across their territory mm-hmm. customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money saving efficient led lights LED. learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device and track your facilities energy usage and more Incentives have recently increased for indoor, outdoor lighting, and networked lighting controls, making these projects even more cost-effective than before. ComEd, getting it done. Done. So here's what you do. Visit ComEd.com slash poweringbiz, that's B-I-Z, mm-hmm. to start saving money and energy. To start a project, you can contact them at 1-855-433-2700. For more information, email them businessee at ComEd.com or publicsectoree mm-hmm. at ComEd.com. Dot com. Very nice. Love that. Whoop, whoop. Love that flow right there. Mm. Very cool. I like that. Uh, uh, before you get into your numbers, yes, I, I wanted to please. come back to uh, what Mark was asking as far as his first question. Um, why are they even getting in these situations? I, I think one more thing uh, was left out of there, and that's teams are going, having career <laughs> times against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, we saw it yesterday with the Knicks. 
just they don't shoot threes. They that's just not what they do. They don't shoot them well. But they came to Chicago and they damn sure did. I believe what nineteen mm-hmm. threes that they hit fifty mm-hmm. something percent or something uh, like that. 18. 18, 18 at uh, 54 percent. Insane. Yeah, absolutely insane. That has been occurring all season long. That's been a common theme of them. Uh, I'm not saying yeah, the Bulls are a part of that. You know, being getting off to those slow starts and like Marquez said, trying to come back and do it like that. But these teams are getting off to astronomical start. Like, dude, that Wendell Carter Jr. again got off to an incredible. What do you have? Seventeen including a buzzer beater from half court. You know what I'm saying? Like, these things are happening. And Boston Celtics, remember, was ridiculous numbers against mm-hmm. the Chicago Bulls to start the game. Like, these teams are coming out here, and I don't know why, but they're finding their rhythm early against the Bulls. No matter how good their defense has been on these teams, these shots are just going down for some damn reason. So I think that's a part of it as well. Yeah, I think I think that's all you know, good and valid points. But uh, I, I think Rob, was it Rob Schaefer who had the article earlier in, in the week about how the Bulls' offense in the uh, sorry the Bulls' defense in the first half is much worse compared to their defense in the in second half. So that that tracks from that point of view. Uh, but like from a pure attempts point of view, the Bulls aren't giving up a lot of threes. Like they're probably mid pack in that range. They give up about 34, 35 threes a game. But the percentage that these teams do shoot is like 37%, 37.5%, which is like bottom five. So it's not like they're giving up a ton. It's not like they're giving up like 43s a game like some teams are. But the threes that they do would give up, but for whatever reason, teams are knocking them down. Now, some of that's fluke, some of that's defense. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough to understand. Uh, but like I said, more generally, the defense has been solid this season. So my my main concern is on offense. And, and let's get into that because... That is the source of problems. I've got some numbers here that I want to share as well. But Matthew, I believe you've got some more general team-wide numbers that uh, you want to populate as well. Indeed. Um, because some of what the Bulls are doing in these clutch minutes is a lot worse than how they fare across the board. And some of them are about the same or better. So when you're trying to figure out, you know, what is it? What what element of the game are the Bulls doing poorly that might be causing them to lose all these close games? So, for example... Uh, the Bulls, so of you know, four factors. You got effective field goal percentage, free throw attempt rate, turnover percentage, and offensive rebounding percentage. Yep. Of those, the Bulls actually are doing better at limiting their turnovers in their clutch minutes okay. than across their entire games, which is probably surprising to some Bulls fans because you feel like they have costly turnovers at very inopportune times. But their turnover rate uh, across the board is 14.3, 12th in the NBA. It's even better in clutch minutes, 9.4. They trim that down to 8th in the NBA. However, then you get to other categories like basically shooting basketballs, AKA effective field goal percentage. They are exact middle of the road in the NBA at 53.8% across all action of all games in clutch minutes. Their effective field goal percentage drops to 45.5%, AKA 23rd. That's an eight spot drop in effective field goal percentage when they are trying to win these close games late mark. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I'm speaking about. And the reason for that is, is, is well, it's multi-layered again. Like, think about this team and, and, and the roster construction. So you've obviously got DeMar. He's leading the offense in the fourth quarter. You've got, you've got Vuchin and, and, and Levine next to him. I can get in those numbers in, in a second. But beyond those guys, the two guys that you're next putting out, and Dave, you spoke about this before, like it, it kind of feels like Billy on a game-to-game basis is sort of, 
guessing or, or, or picking and choosing as to who is best next to these three guys on a game-to-game basis. It's not like an obvious, this is my five-man closing lineup. Like last season, we knew what the Bulls' best five-man closing lineup was. It was the, the big three plus Caruso and, and Lonzo. Obviously, we didn't get to see a lot of it because of Caruso and Lonzo's injuries, but we knew going into the season and in the season what the, the best closing five was. This season, I have no idea what the best closing five is because seemingly on a game-to-game basis, it changes. Some games you need Caruso, some games you need Pat, like we saw last night. They're your closing two. We've seen other games where Kobe's closed, Dragic is closed. Like, like it's changing. Derek Jones Jr. closed against the Hawks the other night. So Billy is searching for lineups more generally. But in terms of like what the players are doing, and to, to speak about that that Eve field goal percentage that you spoke about um, there, Matt, like DeRozan is shooting 44% in clutch situations, which is not great. But your, your field goal percentage is generally going to come down in clutch situations more naturally. But like he, he's delivering 44%, 21 of, of 48 uh, field goal attempts. Like that's a good conversion rate. But for Vooch and for Zach, Vooch is shooting 36% in, in clutch situations. Zach is shooting 28% in clutch situations. Those three guys are obviously taking the bulk of your clutch offense. So when two of those three are not necessarily delivering from that point, naturally your E field goal percentage in those situations are going to come down. But what's really interesting in this, like the majority of shots that Vooch and Levine are taking in clutch situations are threes, which I'm not against, but Zach has been two from 17 in clutch situations on threes. Like that's like less than 12%. Vooch is five of 13 on threes in clutch situations, which is pretty good. I'll take that because that's that's basically 39%. But on two point percentage from a, in, in clutch situations, Vooch is shooting like 30% which is odd because on the season, he's shooting 57% on two-pointers, which is a career high. So I, I guess we can we can point this thing in multiple directions, but essentially Vooch and, and, and Levine are not delivering in the clutch. They're taking up a good push, a good portion of offense in the clutch, but they're not delivering at the same rate DeMar is, which is why Billy ultimately goes to ISO DeMar ball because that's seemingly all that works you know, in those clutch scenarios. So like I said, it's multifaceted, multi-layered, uh, they're all connected, but that's seemingly part of the problem that you're just not getting enough from your big three right now. And that's interesting because I'm wondering who, who do you think uh, uh, kind of is the one you're looking at more between Zach and Vooch to be like, oh man, this is the one that needs to step it up a little bit more for this team in the clutch for us to have it. Because just hearing those numbers, neither one are good. Okay, but for me, when I think about it, I, I think it's Zach Levine. Like when I think of Vooch, and when I remember him taking those shots in the clutch, I'm just talking about last year, when I thought of him, it was never something I was dependent on. It was just something that was like, oh, he's open. There it is. Now, with Zach Levine, I'm like, well, I expect you to go get buckets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's a different thing. And I'm not trying to jump on Zach. This isn't what I'm trying to do. But in that clutch moment, I'm not saying, oh, man, okay, I got to get it to Vooch, and he's got to go to work. I'm like, oh, Vooch is open. Shoot that three. Oh, Vooch has got a little person on him. Get him the ball right there. With Zach, I'm like, I don't care who's on you because you're Zach Levine. Like, bro, go do your thing because you're Zach Levine. Handle your business, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I agree with you. Like, getting the ball in the post, and not just Vooch, but more generally, like, post play in clutch situations is a very difficult thing to do, like, more generally. So I don't think that's something the Bulls should ultimately be looking at. I like feeding Vooch from a three-point point uh, perspective in clutch because it opens up the floor. And like I said, he's 5 of 13 on threes in the clutch. That's 39%. That's a really good return rate. So from that point of view, I'm not necessarily too concerned from a Vooch angle. He needs to be better, but 
it, it's 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 okay. It's, it really comes down to Zach. Like I said, two from seventeen in clutch from three point situations. That's really freaking bad. So Zach needs to be better in clutch situations. Um, we know why maybe he's struggled uh, lately or all this season more generally. Uh, but like I said, everything's connected. Like when Zach is not necessarily performing in clutch, that ultimately means that maybe DeRozan goes more into that hero hero ball mode and, and wants to take over more because you're not necessarily getting that second source of offense from your your second perimeter dude. So when 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 Zach's not performing, that that impacts DeRozan. Then as DeRozan gets more centric or gets more ISO heavy, then that obviously impacts everyone around him. And then obviously this is connected because when you're playing out there with Caruso and Pat, they're not necessarily going to be doing anything off the bounce. They're not going to be shooting a lot of jumpers themselves. They don't have a lot of creation ability in themselves either. There goes the cycle again. DeMar goes back into ISO mode. Then that leads to more Zach play, which, is, which we just spoke about hasn't been efficient. So it's all connected. It's all problematic, but it all stems on the offensive end from my from my standpoint. But uh, yeah, just you just need to be better from a conversion point of view, but I, I just don't know if that's necessarily going to change anytime soon. You know, we were talking about in last night's postgame the fact that DeMar got to the line, what it was like 16, 17 times, something mm -hmm. like that. But as a team, the Bulls only got there 22 times. Yeah, five <laughs> more free throws collectively <laughs> beyond DeMar's. And I saw some people in the comments talking about maybe, you know, Zach being more aggressive, attacking the basket more. Um, that, that also came up in the loss to Atlanta when mm -hmm. he, he was getting to the rim at will and then a couple of times took some ill-advised threes. Maybe right. they were ill-advised threes, if you feel that way. Um, I think you could certainly make the argument that they were ill-advised, especially sure. when he has been, as people made note of, finishing better at the rim, looking yeah. stronger at the rim yeah. compared to the beginning of this season, which is a good sign in and of itself mm -hmm. for the back half of this season. Zach is starting to look more like Zach, but those free throws – that is one of the other areas in when you're talking about four factors where the Bulls get worse in clutch time minutes. Yeah. It's interesting yep. because if you look at the numbers, so the Bulls free throw attempt rate across the board this season, 0.262, mm. is 18th in the NBA. So mm. middle of the pack. Everybody's essentially free throw attempt rate goes up in the last five minutes yeah. because teams are trying to get to the free throw line. Teams are in bonuses bonus, or right. penalty, mm -hmm. vice versa. So the Bulls goes up. Their free throw attempt rate goes up in the clutch moments to .382 from .262, but their ranking drops from 18 to 22nd because other teams are better at getting to the line more in those last five minutes than the Bulls are. That's interesting. And and, and I said this yeah. um, uh, in, my, in the takeaways when I wrote the takeaways after the uh, Atlanta game. Zach Levine's only been – to the line for double-digit free throws in a game one time mm -hmm. this season. Uh, and that was against Indiana. And to your point, he went 10 of 12. Mm -hmm. But in that game, 28 points was also 6 of 8 from the three-point line. I don't find that to be a coincidence. You know what I'm saying? When the shooter sees a ball going through mm -hmm. and he knows he's getting these calls and he's getting comfortable, well, boom, it's time to shoot the basketball. Yeah, it's, a th it's definitely a thing. I don't know why. It's, and this isn't new this year. It's been since he's been here. He doesn't right. get those calls. He goes he, and he goes to the bucket. So I can't sit here and agree with somebody saying he doesn't go go to the bucket or nothing. Dude, he goes to the bucket. He does not get those calls. Like right. I don't, for some reason mm -hmm. or another, he just he really doesn't. And, get them. And Jock in the comments pointing out that finally, as a uh, made the All Star team last year player. Last season, Zach finally started to get some I of remember. those calls. Remember it well. Drawing contact at the rim, mm -hmm. getting to the free throw line more, and. For whatever reason, this season, or at least the first 20-some games this season, that respect from NBA officials has disappeared again. Out the window.
which is unfortunate. Yeah, and look, on the free throw thing, in, in clutch scenarios, DeMar DeRozan is 29 from 31 from a free from the free throw line, 94%. It's ridiculous. He has 31 attempts by himself. The next highest in, from an individual player in terms of free throw attempts in the clutch is Vooch. Guess what that number is? Four? Hint, it's not high. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know he missed two in that game yeah. that they lost. I'm going to say, I'm going to stick yeah. with four. Four? Is, is with it four. two of four? <laughs> it's three of five. <laughs> Very close. <laughs> we were off by one. By one. That's so, sick. So <laughs> DeRozan has 31 free throw attempts in the clutch. Vooch is second. Uh, with five free throw attempts. Patrick Williams is third with four free throw attempts. Zach wow. is then third with three three uh, three fr free throw attempts. So to your point, Matt, like wow. the Bulls from a team perspective get to the free throw line more in clutch than what they do during throughout the game. That's all coming through DeMar, doing DeMar things. Mm -hmm. The rest of the team just aren't getting to the free throw, uh, to the free throw line at all. Now, some of that we should expect because yeah. A lot of this team just can't get to the free throw line. Like, Vooch has never been a free throw guy. No. The rest of the guys aren't guys that are going to put the ball on the ground and get to the... Like, how many times have we seen Caruso, Pat, Kobe, whoever it might be, consistently put the ball on the ground and get to the bucket? It doesn't happen often. They can't mm -hmm. create that, that, that advantage themselves. So we shouldn't expect those guys to necessarily generate free throws more generally, let alone in the clutch. But it really needs to come from Zach because he's the one guy beyond DeMar who can put the ball on the ground, who can get to the rim, who should be able to sort of generate these free throws. But across the season, more generally, he hasn't been able to do that. And as I just noted in the clutch, he certainly hasn't done that. So it does come back a lot to Zach. But I don't know what his problem is at the moment. Maybe it's the knee, maybe it's whatever. I don't know. But ultimately, he's not delivering in the clutch. And like I said, when he's not delivering, it puts more of a burden on the other guys. Right. And when those other guys aren't delivering, then DeMar goes into hero ball. And then you get left with what we're seeing, which is yeah. very DeMar-centric offense, which I understand why people don't like watching or don't think is effective. But based on everything that is occurring right now, that is your best source of offense. So right there, right. I don't know, maybe DeMar does need to share the ball more. But at the same time, these other guys need to be responsible and do what they need to do. And if they don't, then DeMar should continue to shoot the freaking ball because he's their most efficient offense. Yeah, like no hesitation at all. And that's so interesting, like what he said, like Vooch not even being a free throw guy. Mm -hmm. And Vooch has as many games as Zach does as far as double digit attempts. They say both have one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Vooch had 12 one mm -hmm. game, Zach had 10 another game. Both of them have that saying, and Vooch hasn't had a free throw in his last two games. Like, it's, he's not, it's not something he does. Like, it's something wrong with that. It's something truly wrong with that, that he is even – Zach, that's, that's mind-blowing to me what you just read, Marque, that Zach wasn't even in the top three free throws during that time. That is crazy to me. This is, this is the dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, he is supposed to be the one getting those calls. And I'm not putting this on Zach because, again, he's going to the line. I mean, he's going to the paint. He's getting beat up. I've seen him games where he's had to show them his scratches. Mm -hmm. He's like, dude, I'm light skinned. I'm, I'm turning red right here, bro. Like, I don't, I didn't walk in like this, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he's shown them this. That's why, I, I'm sorry. That's why it gets frustrating to me because I'm watching him do this shit <clears throat> and I'm watching him try and I'm watching him go in there on three people and still coming out with nothing. And then the very next play down, I watched Demar get the call. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that happened, that in happened the Knicks last game. night. Yes, it happened in the Knicks game. We watched it happen, and I'm like, that has to be demoralizing for a guy like Zach Levine, who feels like to me, Marque, like a rhythm guy. Like if you're consist, if you're continually putting him outside of his rhythm, then he's going to struggle. 
Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a play that sticks in my mind when he did drive. He, he clearly got fouled. And because he thought he fouled, he threw up the shot expecting to get free throws. They didn't call it the they, they didn't obviously call it didn't get free throws and that counts as a missed field goal attempt ultimately but to that point as well like uh zach is taking more threes than twos in clutch which maybe that should be the case because zach's a fantastic three-point shooter but like i said before he's only made two of 17 from the three-point line but when he has taken twos in the clutch he's six of 12 which is 50 percent, obviously so when he gets to those two-point shots some of those being at rim, he's he has been efficient. And, and more lately, like even against the Knicks game yesterday, I think he was six or seven or seven or eight at the rim. So slowly but sure, surely, his frequency and his efficiency at rim is improving. He's, he's, his two-point percentage in clutch scenarios is healthy. He's just leaning on the three ball more than he is on the two-point two point shot. Now, maybe that's part of, maybe part of the reason is, like you said, Dave, maybe because he's not getting those calls, he's, he's more... There's more of a propensity to, to, to resort to that three-point shot. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, like, like I said, it's multi-layered. There's multiple things happening here that is that is influencing this scenario. Um, and it's not just one thing. So, so boiling it down to one thing is just not possible. And if you do that, you're, you're overlooking a lot of different things. Right. Very true. I've got a few more numbers that I want us to look at as far as Bulls in clutch time this season. We looked at the Bulls' four factors uh, there are a couple uh, of the Bulls' opponents' four factors that I think are also fairly illuminating. Okay. So we will do that coming up next. But first, Big Dave. Mm-hmm. I saw somebody walking down the street on my way to the office today okay. carrying a set of golf clubs behind their back. Interesting. Yeah. And I was like, it was actively snowing. <laughs> okay. And I was like, you know what? Respect. Yeah. I wonder if they are the type of person who was like, hey, I got all the things I need. <laughs> I don't care if it's snowing. I'm going golfing. Welcome to Chicago. Truly. Well, I know one thing he didn't have with him. What did he not have? that was that beer sleeve. He didn't have that with him, did he? No, he did not. Why? Because he did not go to Pins and Aces. And he should. So listen up. Don't be like this person. Be cooler. Get your Pins and Aces stuff, man. The official golf apparel partner of CHGO. And you know if Will Thrill was here right now, I'd be telling him, you know, how amazing Mm. he's going to look in that Mm -hmm. gear when he's out there on the links doing his thing. Because they make those amazing polos, those hats, those golf bags. And, of course, as I just mentioned, the beer sleeve, Mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Innovative product that allows you to store seven of them things right inside your golf bag and keep your drinks cold the entire round. Unless you're Matt Peck, it's not going to last the entire round. They're going to be up out of there, baby. But they'll still be frosty cold. If I got two beer sleeves, (laughs) I'm ready to go. (laughs) You'll be ready to go. Got you. Check out FinsandAces.com and use the code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get yourself some free shipping. That's PinsandAces.com because when you look good, you play good, and when you play good, it's all good. Pins and Aces! Today's episode of CHGO Bulls also brought to y'all by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. This time of year, everybody's excited about the holiday season, giving gifts, getting gifts, the holiday spirit. But what about all that basketball? What about it? When I throw down on NBA action, uh-huh. that's my gift to myself. The jam. And I do it, of course, at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yes, you do. An official betting partner of the NBA, our official betting partner at CHGO. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA money line. 
to win $150 in free bets. Take a team that's a 12-and-a-half-point favorite that night Mm -hmm. because they're playing Orlando or they're playing somebody crummy, although Orlando's been hot right recently. Crazy. Four or five straight? Crazy. Markel Foles got a point guard back. Yeah, that happened. Pick the biggest spread you can find and just bet the money line on the favorite to win. Yeah. And if they just take care of business, you get $150 of free bets. It's an incredible deal for new members. Plus, everyone can have fun combining those multiple bets for bigger payouts with the DraftKings Sportsbook. Stepped up, same game parlay. Boost the odds when you throw things together. Boards, points, three-pointers. It's a lot of fun, and it pays out big. It does. So download that app now to get in on the Holiday Hoops action. Sign up with promo code CHGO Mm. to get that incredible deal of $150 in free bets Mm -hmm. if your bet on a $5 money line hits. Promo code CHGO. We are so close to the Christmas Day slate of NBA action. So close. Although, bad bummer news today, not for the Bulls, but for the NBA at large. Steph Curry, with that weird shoulder injury he got last night, they're saying he's going to be out at least a couple weeks, maybe a few weeks. Sucks, man. Definitely puts a damper on that. Who are the Warriors playing? They're part of the Christmas Day slate, aren't no they? No surgery for Curry, though. Which no is surgery good. I did see, yeah. which is good. Is it, is it Boston that they're playing? Who are they playing? Mark, do, can you Chris recall? Lewis. Got it. Uh, it was, yeah, Warriors it versus Grizzlies. Ooh. Mm. So instead of Steph versus Ja, it's mm. just Ja's going to rock the Warriors. And that's the primetime game, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's 7 p.m. And the Grizzlies on primetime. Shout out to that also. Shout out to Grizzlies being on primetime, and that's awesome. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah! Ja! That's your guy. That's your guy. Um, all right, guys. So, before the break, we were talking about this this Bulls offense sputtering in clutch time moments, not getting to the free throw line unless your name is DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, maybe even more glaring, the Bulls' opponent's four-factor free throw attempt rate, mm-hmm. ac- across the board, 0.264, 12th in the league, so just a bit above average. In clutch time moments, it jumps, basically doubles, and then some. Opponent free throw attempt rate in clutch minutes to .531, a.k.a. 25th in the NBA. They plummet from 12th to 25th at preventing their opponents from getting to the line in the final five minutes of close games. Mm -hmm. And look, that is something that Billy's actually said often – that he is 100% right about. We foul too often, and we foul dumb. Yeah. He, like, he phrased it more eloquently than that, not calling his players dumb. Right, but essentially, right. we foul too often, and we commit stupid fouls. Yeah. And a lot of them, <laughs> obviously. Numbers yeah. back that up. Yeah, and, and they've been crushing as well. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's tough. And and I'm, I'm thinking immediately of the four-point play <laughs> that happened. And then that's the first thing that popped in my head was, was that occurring, man. Yeah, a lot of silly fouls. Uh, for the Chicago Bulls in the clutch time when you when you got to have it and uh, and we've seen ones that they've called and they had to be overturned you know during that time immediately mm-hmm. the Patrick Williams one's the first one I think of the reason you even make that call though is because you have the reputation now now the refs know you now you know what I mean they understand you now they're like no you make those fouls you as a team commit those kind of penalties out there and in that clutch time, you, uh, Marquette, you said, like, the defense is what the Bulls have, is what the, you kind of hang your hat on. You know, on the offense, all you got is DeMar. So, on defense, that's what you're hanging your hat on. So, I think that's another reason why those fouls, you know, kind of get more uh, – you get more of those fouls is because that's your one thing right there is your defense, and that's what you're relying on. And that's just not sustainable to win. 
You know what I'm saying? It's not sustainable to win. Like Marquette said, it's about the offense. You have to have that uh, straightened out and together, man, if you're going to win uh, in this league, man. But that's that's pretty damn alarming, I must say, Marquette. Yeah, and I, I, I guess my instant reaction to that is, or I just, and this applies more generally, like clutch time, the Bulls have only played 69 minutes of clutch time. Nice. But uh, from that point of view, like the sample is small. So that's, I, I wonder how much of this free throw stuff is noise from that point of view. Um, and that's the positive here, right? Like they've only played 14 games in the clutch. There's there's some teams that have played 20 games in the clutch. One of those teams is like the Mavericks, if I'm, if I'm, looking at the numbers correctly, they've played 19 games in the clutch. They've played more minutes in the clutch. Same with the Clippers. So from a pure games point of view, like it's not like the Bulls are playing more clutch games than the others. So the sample can be swayed certain ways. Now, from that point of view, that, that's a good thing from my perspective because then you can clean up this free throw thing like Zach's three-point shooting in the clutch. That can quickly change, assuming you get more opportunities in the clutch and, and things start to break a little bit more evenly. But like, this is the strange thing from my point of view, like, and this is what I said, I said this on post game yesterday, like the Bulls are three and 11 in clutch scenarios. They've played 14 games in clutch scenarios, three and 11. Like, I'm not asking the Bulls to be elite in the clutch, like the Brooklyn Nets have been, like the, the Nets are 10 and three in clutch scenarios, but like you just be average in clutch scenarios. The Sixers are seven and seven in clutch. Like that's all I'm asking for. The freaking Houston Rockets, one of the worst teams in basketball, are seven and seven in the clutch. So I had a lot of people coming in my comments yesterday on Twitter saying bad teams don't perform in the clutch. And the, the fact that the Bulls are bad, this is why they're losing games in the clutch. And my response to that is like, no. Even if the Bulls are bad, you shouldn't be three and 11 in clutch scenarios. The San Antonio Spurs, one of the worst teams in basketball, a four and six in clutch scenarios. That's almost 50-50. Just give me that. Like, why can't the Bulls be 50-50 in those scenarios? So uh, what we're seeing, I think, like, ultimately we've, we've discussed that today and we're right to discuss all these points. But at the same time, like, so much of this stuff is just outlier stuff, which I think this free throw thing is. That, that's probably an, an anomaly in that sense. But more generally, like to be to only have three wins from fourteen clutch games, it's just bizarre and it's it's odd. So I wonder how much there, how much noise there are in these numbers more generally. Yeah, and overtime. It's as well. it's weird because when you look at you know you mentioned the Spurs being four and six in clutch games and you were right. So Miami's played twenty, which is the most. Uh, Dallas has played nineteen, which is the second most. The Bulls are kind of in the middle, having played fourteen. Um, as far as the teams that have the, the the worst records in these clutch games, the Bulls are dead last in the NBA with that winning percentage of 0.214, and the mix of bad teams, tanking teams, playoff teams, middle-of-the-pack teams, as you move up those days, it seems kind of random. You got the Hornets and uh, the Magic there at 29 and 28, respectively. But then the Lakers and the Warriors are right there at 26 and 25. Uh, or, uh, yeah, tied at 26. The Wizards are in there. The Suns are in there. Bad team, decent team. Pistons, Thunder, Spurs, Raptors, Jazz. Like, that's the bottom 10 in clutch win-loss record. It's weird that the Bulls are 3-11. and We're trying to find reasons for it, but I think what we keep coming back to is that on any given night, it's one thing and a different thing than the previous clutch game yeah. that dooms them on, on that particular night. Yeah. And another one that drove me crazy against the Knicks last night 
was rebounding. Oh, my God. Rebounding, <laughs> oh my rebounding, Lord. rebounding. Jeez. The Bulls are a pretty elite team when it comes to de- their defensive rebounding. Yeah. But their opponent's offensive rebounding percentage goes up in the final five minutes. The Bulls are third in the NBA at limiting their opponent's offensive rebounding across the board. Offensive rebounding percentage of 254 it's the same thing if you look at it from the Bulls' perspective of defensive rebounding percentage. They are third in the NBA. Yeah. Clutch minutes, their opponents, 28.8. That's a pretty big jump. Mm-hmm. And that Bulls uh, and, and that rank falls from third to ninth. So it's not like plummeting, but one of the things that the Bulls do best, protecting their, their defensive glass, gets worse in the final five minutes. And you saw that in the Knicks game last night. And, and as well yeah. as I said that uh, Patrick Williams played defensively, he had two rebounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, no. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that just lends it to that right there. I believe the Knicks had six offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter last night. Crazy, man. That's crazy. Uh, I forget how many Hardenstein ended up with. I'm only bringing him up because he's – I don't never looked at him as just a rebounding giant. But I know at one point he had, like, eight rebounds. Like, I remember that well. Um, I don't remember what he finished with, but I know at one point he had that. He maybe finished with ten or something. But, but yeah, man, like, that's that's crazy. And, and like you were saying, like, there's – so many different ways in each of these games, um, which makes it hard, uh, guys, to, like you say, pinpoint it and point to it exactly and say, okay, we'll fix that part, and then we'll come back. You can point to the lack of the execution. You can point to uh, – uh, I see Mike was talking about the uh, half-court offense isn't great because last year they were faster and they were just actually running more uh, with Lonzo, which is true. Um, but you could point to that as well this year, but that's – Part of it as well. Like, it's a whole smorgasbord of it. You know what I'm saying? Of, of trash and badness. And you can point to uh, the fouls. Uh, you can point to uh, uh, the steal. Like, you can point to so many things, man. But for me, and this is what me and Marquette are definitely agreeing on on this one, it's the offense, man. This is the damn offense. The buckets have to be gotten. All of that is null and void if you're getting buckets. And that's why DeMar DeRozan and what he was doing last year was so important. Because it wasn't like they were world-beating in these categories either last year. But DeMar DeRozan was world-beating in the category of clutch and, and getting those buckets and getting them those wins. Who's coming with him? That's the question. Who's coming with DeMar DeRozan? Who's coming with, Who's coming me, with me, man? Who's coming with DeMar, man? And, and that's why I'm at. That's why I am. That's why I'm at, Marquette. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and look, something that I always say is the court is connected or the both sides of the court is connected. Like sometimes your best defense is your offense. And the fact that the Bulls defense has been as good as it has been despite their offense being so bad is kind of testament to the Bulls defense. And I I, I wish I could remember the person who, who mentioned this to me on Twitter yesterday, but he, he had a really good point that the fact that the Bulls from a net rating point of view and a point differential point of view are effectively flat despite their three-point disparity and despite the, the, like the, the fact that their, their point differential is what it is with the three-point shooting issue and their defense is what it is, with, like, despite their offense being so bad. Like, that is really commendable about how Billy is sort of, and the team more generally, is, is, is approaching defense. But the offense remains the problem. And I, I think the issues that the team has over 48 minutes on offense, it just gets heightened in that final five minutes or whatever the, the clutch situation is. So, and I mentioned this before, but I keep coming back to the roster construction. This offense is limited, inherently limited by the the lack of three-point shooting. Like that isn't going away. 
it just takes away the your functional ability to do things on offense. And as we spoke about before, like the only other guy beyond DeMar who can put the ball on the ground and do anything is Zach. And Zach has been up and down all season. So when the ball swings to Caruso, when the ball swings to Patrick Williams, if it even goes that way at all, you're swinging the ball to, the, to guys who aren't triple threats. Maybe one of those guys like Pack can maybe hit a jump up, but he's not necessarily going to do a lot from a passing or a dribbling standpoint. Caruso, Javante, these dudes aren't going to be hitting jumpers, but maybe they can do some dribble drive stuff. Like you just don't have a lot of options. You don't have a lot of versatility. And when one of those two options that 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 you, that you do have in Levine is not necessarily consistently performing, you get where you are in terms of offense. I said it before, the Bulls are 20th in offense. It shouldn't be a surprise that they're really bad in the offense uh, from an offensive standpoint in the clutch, but it is what it is. Like just this roster, again, there's only so many ways we can talk about it, but the, the, the roster itself is flawed from an offensive standpoint. That gets heightened in clutch and we are where we are because of it. So, um, bring me Lonzo. I mean, I, I've just been keeping an eye on these comments. Oh, wow. Terry crew. Thank you for telling us for the 40th time that Levine hasn't had a positive plus minus in his NBA career. I wasn't sure if I read it correctly the first 39 times. Uh, but th- so thank you for putting it in the 40th time. He hasn't had a positive That's, plus minus in his career. Um, yes. Meanwhile, Caruso is is only a negative 0.01 his rookie year, and then every other year he's had a positive, mm. which apparently means something in relation to Zach Levine <laughs> in some I, universe. I, I want to add one thing. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of talk about problems, not a lot of talk about solutions. There are not, not many to go around right now, but one thing we haven't hit on. There you know? it is. There it is. Oh, there it is, Joseph. Oh, Joseph, can you please tell them and show them what the stats are when you need the shooting the greatest shooter in the world is what you need worldwide look at that as long as you want to look at it because it ain't gonna change baby look at it marvel in it bask in it bathe in it drench yourself in the greatness of maddie legend yes matthew you raise your hand sir do you have some? <laughs> Look at Mark K. Yes, you can run from the truth, sir. It'll always um, catch you. It'll always catch you. The part that gets you. me is according to our latest model. What uh-huh. the F I don't know model what that, are you using? I don't know what that what means either. What are we worried about? These, these are all facts. There are no numbers yeah, in uh, that tweet. Oh, it's, it's just a you list of two-parter. It's, you, it's a, a two-parter. If you want me to go get you the second I, part, I I'm going to need part two. And I will two. happily show you why, how they broke everything down. Okay. They didn't just put that up there to be putting that up there. They broke oh. it all down. I, I also like looking at it. It's like, I'm talking. Who like is Marcus? rankings compared to our latest model. Just, what, just, just because you don't know them. Just now, take our word for it. Fine. No, no. I will send you the other part, sir. And then you can come up with some other way to go ahead and go and try to shit on this. But it's a fact. Dude. And you got to deal with it because it's a fact. I think that Jimmy is taking home with him eight kinds of everything from the Madhouse store. <laughs> but I saw that he posted a picture holding that Madhouse holding jersey. That, yes. Not purchasing it. No. Just holding it. Just holding it. Oh, they, Still they have those there? What? They have those there? They yeah. have one. They have one. They have a Matt Thomas jersey that's still Mom- sitting in the Madhouse store, and no one's going to buy it because no one believes that he's the best three-point shooter no, of all time. No, it's going to be at the – you know who's going to be – Kelly goes in there. She takes pictures with it every time she's at the game. Kelly, if you're going to be there tomorrow, we'll love to have a picture with you with Care- the greatest Careful Jersey what you say. Care- guess who's going to be at the United Center tomorrow? I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to be right there, man. I'm going to be right there. Not Matt Thomas because they showed his ass the door. Mm, they can show it tomorrow they want. 
You go ahead and show them the stats on their three-point shooting. Show them that. Because the greatest one in the world is at home, and you can use that right about now. The greatest. Joey, show me the Batman graphic again. That got me so tired. Look at it. Look at it. Oh. <laughs> Joey's, Joey's made a lot of graphics and a lot of photoshops of various things uh, since we've been doing this in March. That may be the biggest waste of Joey's time I've ever seen. <laughs> that right there is the biggest waste of Joey's time oh, to date. That is amazing. Uh, that is amazing. Oh, Maybe. what a shame. Look at that. It's 630. Oh, we got to go. That's sad. Out of time. But I wanted to tell Marquez some more about Maddie Legend. What do you mean? I don't think Marquez. Can I can't just say the fact that Jimmy Butler's number has been besmirched in such a way that Matt Thomas is now linked to 21. It physically makes me sick. Mm-hmm. It makes me sick. Good. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> yes. End yes. Good. Good. Mark says end the show. <laughs> of all time, Mark. Hey. <laughs> Everybody do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up button before you head out of here. Appreciate it. Helps us out a lot. Um, those of you coming to the UC tomorrow. Yes. We'll hopefully see and hang out with as many of you as we can. Some yeah, of you, the cool folk. We'll see you at Crossroads Tavern yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Across the street from our studio here for a little pre-gaming Stevie, before we head to the UC for Bulls Knicks oh, Part okay. 2. Right. Um, can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is. Joey's going to be there. Yes. We're going to be there. Mark, wish you were there. You'll be yes, there in spirit. definitely. Um, Will. Brazil. Brazil! Um, Shout out to our other CHO crew are going to be here. My, I'm going to bring some friends of mine. It's going to be a good time. Mark Shannon, I hope you come in. I hope keep all it, y'all. Keep it locked on CHO Sports YouTube. Mark Carmen and Carmen Vitale and our GM Jake Flanagan are on Bears After Dark with a cool guest, Nick Wright, which is, oh. that's pretty cool. What? Nick, like Wright, is Nick Wright I I think. <laughs> I am. It's spelled the same way. <laughs> well, that's cool. You can't tease it and then be like, maybe. I'm pretty um, sure. I, I hope that means Carm can put Nick Wright in his place and tell him that his take about LeBron being better than Michael Jordan is idiotic once and for all. Well, that sure needs to happen. It. I'm sure he's heard it several times. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, everybody, follow Mark on Twitter at Bulls. At Bulls. At MK Hoops. That's Big him. Dave is at Bow, B-A-W-L Sports. Bow. New Ball and Bulls Saturday. Bow. Check the hoodie. Did you see Check the hoodie it. I'm I see all. Oh, I saw it, too. I saw it. That's why I was like, you're broken, but you look amazing. Yeah, I need. I needed this hoodie today. <laughs> yes, you did. To lift me out of the, the gunk. Yes. Uh, follow our producer and our pal Joey Spath is on Twitter. Yeah, at Joey Spath is on Bulls <laughs> underscore pack. We are Bulls, CHO underscore Bulls. Uh, see you all tomorrow night. No pregame. Mm-mm. The pregaming we're doing is going to be a bar across the street. That's, right. that's drinking, the kind of pregame drink, we're rocking tomorrow. Pre-game. We will see you guys for postgame after Bulls next. See some of you at the UC. Until then. See you, Red, be good. Peace.